Continuing on in our series of what's important, over the last few weeks, we've been reminding ourselves, well, we've been reminding ourselves of the importance of following Jesus' command to love God, to love one another, and to love our neighbor. And those three focuses of love are also the framework for our prayer goals for this year, the prayer and fasting that we've just come out of, and those little cards, uh, those blue cards that you've had and had the chance to be praying into this month already. Uh, And if you have your Bibles with you uh, today on your device or uh, a paper copy, uh, turn to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 10, and we'll get there in a little bit. This morning, the message isn't so much about points, it's actually about something that I felt just kind of the Lord prophetically wanting to encourage us with today. And so with that, I wanted to start with, if you missed the prayer summit on Wednesday, you missed out. (laughs) You know, we believe that the prayer summit is the most important meeting of the month for us here at Gateway. And, you know, I never want people to feel obligated to come, you know, out of a sense of duty or a have to or, you know, those kinds of things. So don't hear me say this, you know, as a way of trying to guilt or shame you into coming to a prayer summit. I actually genuinely feel like you missed out. I feel like you missed out on something special that happened on Wednesday. Um, We not only prayed into specific things, well, I guess like you do at a prayer meeting, that's what you're there for. You know, we took time to listen to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to us, and that interaction helped us to, to pray for one another and to lift up certain themes of things that the Lord actually laid on our hearts. I don't know, for those of you who were there, it, it really felt like we were partnering with the Lord by, by praying into things that he was actually stirring in us. We weren't guessing at what to pray. It was actually intentional. It was spirit-led. God was speaking to us. Anybody there agree? Yeah, see? This was actually reinforced through God's word. Uh, We were equipped and reminded and, and taught, I guess Amber, if she's here, I don't know if she's still here in the service or if she's volunteering with EAL or something right now, but uh, she was teaching us and reminding us that God actually wants to work with us. See, people remembered. There were actual swords involved. See, you missed out, right? But we weren't, we aren't expert prayers. None of us are expert prayers. Um, you don't need to be an expert to come to a prayer summit. Uh, we have just this simple belief that when we pray, something always happens. And more seems to happen when we pray together. It's just the way it works. You know, near the end of our time together, we had this opportunity that Norm gave us to ask the Lord if there was anything that he wanted to speak to us specifically about Gateway or about South Osborne right here. And while it would be great, we don't have the time to just unpack the different words that were spoken by people. Um, People heard and they shared in a variety of ways from scripture, words, pictures, etc. But, what, but what they each heard and shared began to knit together into this cohesive kind of message that was reinforced as other people shared. The Lord was actually speaking to us together, right? And now it not only excites me that the Lord was speaking to us, you know, we 
we certainly will pray through what he was speaking to us and discern kind of what to do from, from there. But it was a sign to me that two things are happening. One, we are growing in our personal capacities to hear the Lord. That's the first thing. And the second, we are growing in our capacity to hear and interact with the Lord together. That is exciting to me. You know, like I've said before, we believe that every follower of Christ has the ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And that inheritance is something that is yours as a family member in God's kingdom. That's why we offer that Hearing God seminar. Come out to it. You know, we do that so that people can actually learn to understand how God speaks to them, uh, to recognize his voice. And, well, what do you do once you've heard something? Right? That's what we try and equip people with. And when I, what I saw on Wednesday night was a group of people taking things beyond their personal lives and hearing God together. It's one of the ways that we actually love one another as we seek the Lord. You know, this year, one of our prayer goals is growing in our capacity to minister to one another together in ways that bring healing and wholeness. I'm going to touch on that a bit this morning. What happened at the prayer summit is, is an example, just one of the ways that we bring healing and wholeness to each other. Just, just one of the ways we share and release the abundant life of Christ that resides in us. The life that actually flows to others and has the power to release so many different things. Like healing and wholeness and revelation and understanding through the love that God actually uses to generate it with. It's amazing. You know, last Wednesday, we were conduits of that love together. It was beautiful. It was like a life-giving thing to watch. At least for me it was, anyway, and participate in. The natural result of our time together was not only just a sense of pleasure in meeting with the Lord ourselves, but meeting the Lord together. Doing it together. Perhaps the enemy, or the devil's going to take notice. I don't know what you think. Maybe he'll take notice. Um, you know that, uh, that picture that's at the back there that Andrea painted? The one of the, the fellow that's kneeling in prayer with a battering ram kind of in and behind him. Um, at our prayer sum, we got that battering ram starting to move. We started to pull it back and started to push on it. And the, it's going to start pounding on doors. It's going to start pounding on walls that actually need to come down through united, focused, spirit-led prayer. It's exciting to me. Maybe it's exciting to some of you. Oh, I hear little bits coming out. All right. It's, it's all right. It's all right. You know, so sorry for the long introduction, but I wanted to give us some context before I started teaching today about another what's important, another crucial thing for us to understand as followers of Christ. It's, it's another vital piece of understanding that actually helps us know who we are and what we were created for. And so let's read Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. It'll come up on the screen there as well. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. 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 It's a good chunk of verses, isn't it? Well, John 3.16, a very familiar verse, outlines why God sent Jesus into the world to save humanity from the consequences of sin. Right? For God so loved the world, why? That he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him wouldn't have to perish, but would inherit eternal life. But Romans 10 here outlines how, how every human being can actually respond to that loving, grace-filled act of redemption from Jesus. You know, how are we saved? How do we interact with the why and, and how? So, the how is, well, we take a step of faith and believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the Son of God. He's the Messiah, the Savior, the one who gave up his life and, and rose from the dead and rose from the grave so that we wouldn't have to die because of our sins and spend eternity separate and apart from God, but he died so that we would have life. We activate that faith by actually speaking out what we believe with our mouths. It's not just something internal, inside, just quiet inside of me, but an external declaration to the devil and to the world around us that we believe the gospel, the good news. And by faith, we're actually signing on the dotted line with our heart and with our life to follow Jesus. The promise of God based on Romans 10 is, you will be saved. Now that's the, the one-on-one Christian basics of the gospel. But what does it mean to be saved? This is where I want to kind of camp today. It's another vitally important piece of theology for us to actually understand. So let's just start and see where this takes us and how it actually connects to the prayer goal I mentioned today. Verse 10 says this, For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So sandwiched, verse 10, sandwiched between 9 and verse 13, I guess there's a couple other verses in between, verse 10 uses the word saved, but it's not quite the same word saved that are in verse 9 and verse 13 that we see in this passage in Romans. Another way to read verse 10 based on the original uh, language, is just listen to this for a second. For with the heart, a person believes that Jesus is the Son of God, resulting in him or her being made righteous through Christ's sacrifice. And with the mouth, he or she confesses Jesus is the Son of God, resulting in salvation. That's another way to stretch out and unpack that verse. 
And what I want you to see is verse 10 is actually a narrower way to focus in on something specific about what it means to be saved. Essentially, saved, um, if you back up a slide there, please. Thank you. If you, um, oh, there we go. Saved, that's just, stay right there. Yep, you're ahead of me there, Ben. So, if I come back to this and find my spot again, (laughs) there we are. What I want you to see is that verse 10, saved, actually means salvation. Us actually being forgiven our sins. The curse of sin and death being broken over our lives. Paving the way for us to be reconciled to God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. Us becoming adopted into God's family and receiving that gift of eternal life. Right? That's what's packed into that word, saved there. Kind of if you unpack that whole verse. You with me so far? Not confused? Hope not. You know, some people could choose to stop here and only see salvation or being saved in this one way. It's not wrong, but it's actually not the entire picture. Let's come back to verses 9 and 13. There's a different word for saved that's used here that already came up on the screen, but it actually expands to include a whole suite of ideas. Verse 10 uses this word soteria as saved, and the other two verses use sozo. The word sozo is jam-packed. It's jam-packed. It's kind of like when uh, Jewish uh, people use the word shalom, which just simply translates as peace, but to a Jewish speaker, it contains so much more meaning than just peace. Whether they use it to say hello or goodbye, uh, a person is actually extending a blessing like this. When they say shalom, this is what's actually being said. I bless you to experience the deepest possible peace that you could experience from God ever. I bless you to have complete harmony in your body, your mind, your spirit, your life, and all your relationships. I bless you to experience a life that is complete and whole in every way. I I bless you to uh, have a life that's missing nothing, hindered by nothing. I bless you to live in safety and prosperity and tranquility all of your days. That's what shalom means. Dennis will probably correct me after the service. But that's shalom. It's jam-packed. It's probably not even everything that's part of that. But it kind of sounds pretty good if you never knew what shalom meant before. It's an all-encompassing peace. And as a follower of Christ, it's important for us to understand that salvation when we re- that we receive through Jesus in verse 10 is not only about us being forgiven our sins. It's about being saved using this word sozo to expand things. It actually means to rescue us from danger and restore us to a former state of safety and well-being. Now that's a stuffy and more official way of saying this. Jesus came to rescue us and to restore us and restore the broken relationship that we had with our Heavenly Father at the beginning. 
to bring us back into his family so that we could experience true shalom, the shalom of God in every area of our lives. Sozo means completely forgiven, saved, delivered, healed. With that healing, having the capacity to flow into every single part of us, body, mind, soul, spirit, emotions, everything. Jesus saved every part of us, not just a corner of us. Now, if that weren't cool enough, I want to get a little bit grammatically geeky on you. So bear with me. All languages, no matter what they are, uh, have built into them what's called a tense. In English, a tense is what we would use to say things in a way that's either past, present, or future. You know, um, I watched Netflix yesterday. I'm watching Netflix right now. Hopefully I'm holding your attention. Um, I, I watched, or I will watch Netflix after I go home. Right? If you're doing all three, maybe you need to take a temperature check. Too much Netflix. All right? But that's what I mean. You know, past, present, future. That's the tense. So bear with me. When Paul says in verse 13 that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, through our English eyes, it could look like it's a sure thing that we will be saved, but at some point in the future. I don't know that's, that's how we understand it, but that's how we could read it. However, it's not what Paul meant when he wrote it. If we actually translate that verse literally, it means that, now listen, it means those who call upon the Lord will be saved right at the moment they confess Jesus as Lord. And they will continue to have the opportunity to daily experience the ongoing trans- transformational power and effects of that salvation until Jesus returns. So like it says, that, that saving is something that happened at a single event, but it has ongoing effects all the way into the future. Does that make sense? That's important for us to understand. Why is that so important? Well, it's important because, like I said, Jesus didn't just save part of you. He saved all of you, every single part. And while the ultimate completion of our salvation will come when Jesus returns, rolls up the scrolls of history, creates a new heaven and earth, we can actually experience that saving power in every aspect of our lives here, now. There's some people who are excited about that. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus' followers have a perfect pain-free life without any suffering or challenges. But it does mean that we don't need to live hopeless lives right now. We don't need to sigh helplessly as we kind of sit around waiting for Jesus to come back. I guess I'll just have to endure things. I know I'm saved, but I'm going to have to wait till this is all, all finished. Jesus didn't die so that we could be completely saved at some other date while we wait for eternity. Jesus didn't come so that we would have just an eternal life and future. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that life is available to us now. Now. However, don't make the mistake about thinking about this in human terms. The life Jesus came to give is the supernatural life 
of Christ. It's not something that we create. It's something that's actually sourced in God, our creator himself, and flows to us. We get to participate with it. We get to receive it. You can listen to the message I preached a couple of weeks ago on abiding in the vine, abiding with Jesus to get a better handle on that. As Christ followers, that that life, that supernatural life actually flows through our veins as Jesus resides in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. It means that we can be saved, delivered, healed in the here and now. We don't need to actually carry around all the junk that we carry around in our lives until Jesus returns and everything's made well. We can actually work on those things now. Jesus made it possible for us to actually live a life of increasing freedom and wholeness now as we invite him to keep transforming us. That's part of the key of understanding this. All the potential is there for Jesus to go on continuing to transform us into his likeness until he returns and all things are made perfect. Our eternity is secure. We've been saved from the curse of sin and death. But we also have this task, this opportunity to partner with Jesus in welcoming his life into every aspect of our lives today. All the potential is there. We need to listen. We need to obey his leading. And he'll actually lead us through all those things into places of freedom and joy. You know, because of what Jesus has done for us, we can actually enter all of life's joys and all of the challenges with faith and purpose. All of heaven's resources are actually available to us in every aspect of our life. You might say, well, yeah, but I can stand here today and and say, well, I've been having to sit halfway through the service because my hip went out over the, the weekend and I've been in pain for the last three days. Okay, Lord, where's the abundant life? Now, here, right? It doesn't necessarily work that way. It's something that we do in partnering with Jesus and saying, you're God, I'm not, but I'm going to follow after you. I love this salvation that you've brought for me, and I want all of it. I want to enter into everything that you have for me here, today, now, and in the future. That life comes to us, and when Jesus brings life to something, it will flourish because it has supernatural life behind it to grow it, to change it, and as we stay connected to him. Everything is possible with God. And again, I want to connect this back to our, our prayer goal. Growing in our capacity to minister to one another in ways that bring healing and wholeness. Growing in that capacity is possible through the Holy Spirit's help and our willingness to cooperate with him. And I need to let you in on a secret that's not necessarily a secret, but Sometimes the obvious needs to just be said out loud so that it sinks in. We've talked about the Gateway Path a number of times. You know, it's our overall discipleship process at Gateway that we use to just help train and equip uh, us to be followers of Christ in the, in the body. And without kind of going through all the names and the stages of the different things that, that we do, uh, here's what it is in a nutshell. I, I want to let you in on the secret behind why we put this together 
and what it is that we're trying to build. The path does four things. There's probably more, but these are the things that came up. The first thing is it helps you to hear God's voice and develop a strong, intimate relationship with Jesus. That's number one. The second thing is it it helps you to learn to deal with your stuff. You know, the pile that's there, right? Everybody's got it. And how to walk in the light with that and with Jesus and with others to find freedom. The third thing is it helps you to understand and learn to function with the gifts that you've actually been given by the Holy Spirit. To be filled by the Holy Spirit. To function and walk in the Spirit. And last, it helps you to understand where you fit in the body of Christ. How you serve, it helps you understand how to actually reach out to other people with the love of Jesus and tell them about him. The secret is, this is nothing new. Right? It's nothing new. It's not the latest church growth tactic. Right? Seven steps to a, you know, a mega church or something like that. Right? It's not that. These are actually ancient paths that God gave to his church hundreds of years ago. We just simply found a helpful way to put them together. But go figure. If people start being able to hear God for themselves, deal with their stuff, and walk out a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit instead of themselves, it stands to reason that amazing things would start to happen. Doesn't it? And if you put a whole bunch of those people under the same roof together, even more amazing things can happen. That's what I was seeing. That's what I've been seeing. Now again, it doesn't mean that everybody's got their stuff together, you know, and that we're all perfect. But over the the last five years, I've seen a tangible shift in the strength of what's going on here at South Osborne. It's not due to a system, you know, the path, but it's, it's due to God at work in you through a way that he just seems to want to use right now. And yes, we've got challenges. I, I've never been a part of a church that doesn't have challenges. It's challenges because I'm there, you know, and you're there, right? It's just the way it is. But I want to give you a tangible example of what I mean about seeing a shift in our church's culture and our ability to actually minister to others together. It's actually been a, a fundamental kind of change in the Well, here's specifically what it is uh, as the example. I want to give you uh, a window, a little window on a pastoral conversation that I've regularly had in the past uh, with people as they come to see me. And just so you know, I don't have anybody in mind. (laughs) This is just, in general, what the kinds of conversations over the last 12 years that I've had, specifically, you know, a longer time ago. So this is how it goes. Um... Hi, Aaron, Pastor Aaron. Um, could we get together? Sure, no problem. Let's find a time. Um, yeah, okay, great. We find a time and we get together. Oh, Pastor, you know what? I, I really am, was look, I'm looking for your help. Um, uh, I've got X, Y, and Z going on in my life, and I don't know what to do, so I wanted to come and have a conversation with you to see if you could help. Fantastic. Okay, I'm glad to help. We'll see where, where this goes. Um, first question. What do you feel like God's been telling you about X, Y, and Z? Uh, I don't know. 
okay. Um, well, ha- have you asked him about this? Uh, not really. Uh, okay, you know, no, no judgment on my part. Um, you know, but let me know, like, how much, how much time do you, do you spend with Jesus? You know, say during the week. Uh, I'll, I, I pray and I read the Bible sometimes. It's like, okay, yeah, all right. Well, what does that actually look like for you? You know, map it out for me. Just, just be honest. I'm not, I don't want to discourage you, you know, or anything like that. You know, I don't, just because I'm the pastor, you don't have to give me the right answer to this or what you sh- think you should be doing. I want to help. Just tell, tell me what, what's going on. And what ends up coming out is that they actually spend almost no time with Jesus and in the Bible and in prayer or anything. And I already knew that because of the first question that I asked, right? But I wanted to be able to draw that out a little bit more. And when we spend time, when we spend time with Jesus and take time to develop our ability to listen to Jesus, Jesus speaks to us about stuff. He speaks to us through his word and by his spirit and even through others. And so I come back and I say, okay, well, I'm happy to help work through X, Y, and Z with you. We'll get to that. But first we need to work together for you to be able to hear the Lord. As you move throughout your day, as you move throughout your week, you know, are you game for that? And sometimes people take me up on that offer, and sometimes they don't. We still talk about X, Y, and Z, and we find some wisdom and stuff like that together, um, and they are able to leave with with some, some encouragement. But I'm really looking for... What did you hear from the Lord? Not just me. Now, it's easy to armchair quarterback a conversation like that, right? And quickly make judgments about where somebody's relationship is at with the Lord after hearing that. But to me, pastorally, I never want to make that kind of leap. I would rather have a real conversation like that with somebody who's just being honest and is looking for help rather than having no conversation at all. You know, the challenge is actually knowing well, what do, what do they really need help with? And how can we find that answer with Jesus together? Not just the pastor giving them an answer and they go and do that, right? That's not powerful at all. You know, if, if you know, just because I, I was thinking about this, if you, if you know that you would be having this kind of conversation with me today, please don't feel ashamed. Don't think you need to hide anything or fake anything. Just be real about it. Don't make any excuses. Make the choice to lean into the power of God that saved you to experience abundant life and invite the Holy Spirit to help you grow whatever season you might be in, whether it's challenging or whether it's good right now and easy. Just make a choice to tangibly do something. Make a change. Ask for help. Come to our Hearing God seminar. Something, anything to to make a a shift from where you are and move closer to Jesus. And if you don't feel like you got the tools to be able to do that, come see Norm and I. We'd love to be able to help you. That's part of our job. We love doing it. So that's the conversation. But fast forward to the more frequent conversation I've been having in the last few years. Hey, Aaron, could we get together for coffee? Yeah, sure, no problem. Let's find a time. Okay, hey, pastor, I'm, I'm looking for your help with X, Y, and Z. I, I don't know what to do. Okay, 
Glad to help with that. Um, First question, what do you feel like God is saying to you about X, Y, and Z? Well, I feel like the Lord's been telling me uh, to do A, B, and C. And when I've talked to a couple other people I I trust and have been praying about it with me, they've been saying B, C, and D. So I figured I should come and talk to you because I wanted to get some maybe clarity and some wisdom as to what God might actually be saying to me and through others in this. Do you see the difference? That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Just like in my own life, it doesn't mean that they're not still struggling to understand what they should do. I still struggle. But it does mean that they have grown in their capacity to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves and have the tools and the supports in place to keep growing in the context of a loving and and faithful, supportive community together. To me, that is so amazing. To me, that is revival. That is progress. That is growth in the hearts of believers. So coming full circle, maybe now you see why I was so excited about what happened at our prayer summit on Wednesday. When all of those people, like almost a dozen people stood up to share what they felt they heard the Lord speaking to them about our church. In order to be able to do that together as a group, People there needed to be confident that they're able to hear God's voice in their own lives. Think about that, right? (laughs) If you're not, why else would you stand up and share in public? This is what I feel God's saying, right? Chances are they've got a cell or a small group that they meet in that encourages them and supports them and other different practices that, that gives them an opportunity to practice and share. And even though they needed to step out in faith, Uh, to share at that summit and push past maybe the fears that they had is, is this God, is it not? I don't know for sure, but I feel like I'm supposed to share it. They did so because they felt either compelled or they were encouraged to share by norm, uh, but they had an environment where they felt safe enough to be able to share. And I've seen this kind of shift happening all over Gateway. It's exciting to me. It's exciting to me, and it should be to you too. It means that the Lord is, is, is going to keep growing our capacity to pursue him together increasingly in powerful ways. People are going to find healing and freedom. The presence of the Lord will increase as a result. The people in our lives will not only see our faith in action, they will see a faith that works. What's one of the biggest complaints of this next generation when it comes to faith? I see all these things, but none of them work. I'm looking for something that actually works. We've got a faith that actually works. We see it happening all around us. And as a result, more and more people will be saved. They will experience the all-encompassing work of sozo, the salvation found in Jesus Christ, right? Some of you, without this, without that all-saving work, wouldn't be able to sit here today and give the testimonies that you have about being healed physically, emotionally, mentally. I know just by looking out at the faces that are here, you have testimonies, powerful testimonies, about what the saving power of Jesus has done in your life in the here and now. 
that power available to you now, today. And so I want us to just take a moment as we close our service. I'll invite the worship team to come forward. I want us to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit the following question. It's really simple. Jesus, what step do you want me to take towards you today? I'll say that one more time so you remember. Jesus, what step do you want me to take towards you today? That's it. Heavenly Father, I pray that as your spirit is actually starting to stir, to answer people's individual questions, which is amazing to me that you can answer each of us individually right where we are speaking to us so many different diverse things about where each of us are at. That's a miracle and amazing to me. Lord, would you take us deeper into yourself? Would you continue to revive each of our own hearts in our capacity to grow in our relationship with you? Would you help us to hear your voice? Would you help us to see the aspects of our life where maybe we haven't received that that help, that power, your Holy Spirit that wants to come in and transform that area of our life that we've been holding on to. And maybe we have been fearful about letting you touch. Lord, as people ask you what they should be doing next to step towards you, I just invite you to answer them and bring them peace in their hearts and give them gifts of faith to be able to step out and obey and trust you. We bless you and thank you that we are ones who can call ourselves saved. Amen.